Welcome and thank you for joining us today for McGraw-Hill Education's new podcast series, Creating Community Through Conversations. Our topic is first-year college students, and our lens is focused on you. I'm joined by Lashana Stokes, who is an instructor at Central Penn College and has been in higher education for over 25 years, with roles ranging from a first-year seminar professor to department chair to dean of enrollment. She's also the author of McGraw-Hill's first digital product for entering freshmen called Connect Master Student Success. And today's topic is the three C's of diversity, equity and inclusion. Thank you so much, Andrew. Well, during the last podcast, we discussed the first C, which was community and how it connects to diversity, equity and inclusion. Well, today we are going to focus on the second C and that is climate. And so for each of you that are listening, I'd like for you to take a moment and think of the first words that come to mind when you think of the word climate. So some of you may have thought of words connected to temperature, such as warmness, humidness, or coldness, while others may have thought of the byproduct of climate as it relates to weather patterns, such as rain, snow, and thunderstorms. So in the most scientific sense of the word, yes, climate is the long-term pattern of weather in a particular area. And so I ask each of you listening, what are the patterns that you are setting on your campus, in your department, office setting, and classroom as it specifically relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Does your pattern create calming sunny skies or tumultuous thunderstorms. But before we move forward, I'd like to ensure there is a clear understanding of the three words I just mentioned as it relates to climate. And those words are diversity, equity, and also inclusion. Yes, we do hear those words often in higher education. Can you break down what each one means? Absolutely. So let's first start with diversity. Diversity is the blend of different human characteristics, skills, talents, and abilities. Now, what I call diversity's counterpart, inclusion, involves treatment at work that satisfies individuals' need for belongingness. And belongingness is the need to develop and maintain strong interpersonal relationships and also uniqueness which is the need to preserve a differentiated self-perception. And then we have equity. And equity is about assessing the needs of others and providing the necessary resources to be successful. And when it comes to equity, it really is about understanding your audience and population and also understanding what they need. Thanks for clarifying the differences between diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, you stated two parts of inclusion, belongingness and uniqueness. Can you explain those a bit further? Yes, definitely great observation on that. Yes, so there are two specific parts that get to the heart of inclusion. The first part is belongingness. And I want you to think of the answers to some of these questions. Do students feel accepted by others? In other words, do your students feel accepted and welcome in your classrooms? and on your campus overall. And then the other word that I mentioned was uniqueness. That's the second part. Are the students able to express themselves in their own way, celebrating their individual styles without 
feeling judged. In other words, do your students feel important when they are in your classroom? Do they feel a level of open communication and understanding in your classroom? Do your students feel that they have a voice in your classroom? And belongingness and uniqueness speak directly to an institution's ability to retain students and also for students to persist. And that is why it really is incumbent upon each of us listening to participate in creating a climate of inclusion, not just in our classrooms, but on our campuses overall. Yeah, student retention and persistence is critical to the growth of success of colleges and universities. So how does this all fit into the concept of, of climate? Well, Andrew, simply put, the climate that you set determines the conversation with the community of learners in your classroom and college environment. So I know that was a lot of season. It may sound like a tongue twister, but I'm gonna repeat that again. The climate that you set determines the conversation with the community of learners in your classroom and also college environment. So let's talk about classroom climate. Research states it simply that the intellectual, social, emotional, and physical environments in which our students learn. That is what classroom climate really is. You see, classroom climate refers to the prevailing mood that is in your classroom. We're talking about the attitude, standards, and tone that you and your students feel when they're in your classroom or interacting with you as a staff member. So having different types of climates, um, wh what types of climates can be set in the college classroom? Well, a negative climate can feel hostile, chaotic, out of control, isolating, and not supportive of student interaction or learning. But the flip side is a positive climate feels safe, respectful, welcoming, and supportive of student learning. So it is possible for you to create a sunny, or stormy climate actually in your classroom or in your respective offices as staff. But the good news is that climate doesn't just happen, it actually is created. Wow, that's actually a, a hopeful message. Um, so who are the people responsible for creating climate in the classroom? Well, it is created by faculty in the classroom. It's also created by those that are in student facing positions overall. It is essentially created from the top down at institutions. See, climate begins when a student first steps foot on your campus. Climate begins as soon as a student has any interaction with you. See, the climate is being determined right then and there. And the climate a student feels can often set the precedent for a student's viewpoint on faculty, staff, and their college overall. So yes, Student retention and persistence is directly connected to the climate that is set from all touch points that a student has during their educational journey. Regardless of your students' past experiences, there are things that you can do as faculty and staff to deliberately shape or reshape the climate of your classroom into a very positive learning experience. And what do I mean by that? Well. 
you can also shape the climate of how students view your institution in their interactions with you. Whether you're an administrator, staff and advising, financial aid, counseling, library, really any student facing position. And with that, I wanna speak directly to the faculty in the classroom who are listening to this podcast right now. And why am I focusing on this population? Because you are the ones who have the most interaction and connection with students. You're the ones seeing them several times a week. You're the ones who are the change agents for setting the tone and climate for students. It doesn't matter if you really are in a traditional blended or 100% virtual class, it all begins with you. So yes, we as faculty have a lot riding on our shoulders regarding climate, but the rewards are far reaching and can literally change the lives of students and perhaps shift the direction of generations to come. Wow, excellent, this is so true. We talked about what climate is and how it affects students so far, but what makes climate so incredibly vital? Well, Andrew, first climate regulates the circulation and construction of knowledge. For instance, if an inclusive in an inclusive climate, you know, all students are more likely to volunteer different perspectives and thus enrich discussions. Conversely, though, if some students or groups feel that their contributions are not valued as those of others, they will withdraw from the conversation. Secondly, Climate evokes emotions that influence learning. You see, in a productive class, the learning experience really is characterized by excitement for discovery, joy, satisfaction, and pride in one's accomplishments. All these positive emotions have the effect of motivating students for further learning. Conversely, if the predominant climate and emotions in a class are fear, shame or embarrassment for being wrong or boredom or apathy about the content, these negative emotions, according to the research, will be highly demotivating to students. So climate is certainly a conduit for knowledge and emotions. What else is climate a conduit of? Well, climate can be a condiment away from learning or towards it. Research has noted that, for instance, if a gay or lesbian student feels it is not safe for them to be out in class, they tend to carefully monitor their participation or fear for inadvertently exposing themselves, limiting their engagement of the material. Conversely, in classes where they feel free to be themselves, they often capitalize on their personal experience of having challenged conventional assumptions by engaging with the material in creative ways. Climate also, according to research, influences student persistence and retention. When the cumulative direct and indirect messages students perceive communicate that they are not as able as other students and don't belong in the course, students are likely to stay in the course, the major, and even in the college or university. This is all definitely food for thought regarding the importance of climate. What are some strategies for achieving a positive classroom climate? Well, working towards a positive classroom climate is directly connected to exercising what is called inclusive teaching. 
So let's talk about some of these strategies. Well, step one is to incorporate diversity in your overall curriculum. And so what does this mean for faculty and administrators? Well, what it means is that incorporating diversity into your curriculum may involve including topics of diversity as a learning objective and critiquing and redesigning your curriculum to accommodate the diverse learners in your course. Some institutions of higher learning, they're embedding diversity in their general education structure to ensure that it is a college-wide effort. And it's a process that certainly does not happen overnight. Uh, at my previous institution, it took about a year of conversation and collecting quantitative and qualitative data, and then another year of turning the conversation and data into action steps in order to create a plan where diversity is embedded into the college-wide curriculum. And as I was spearheading this effort, I ensured that we refrained from tagging diversity topics at the end of a unit. Rather, what we did was, is we threaded those topics throughout the fabric of the course curriculum. That sounds like a critical piece to keep in mind when helping faculty ensure a positive classroom climate. What else did you need to do to keep it in the forefront? Well, some other important pieces were connecting course content to current events or local histories. Another thing is viewing course materials from multiple perspectives and viewpoints, ensuring that they depict people and history accurately. Another thing is adding non-mainstream perspectives into my own course content and then reflecting on what value they added to the course. Something else to think about is having students take opposite sides of an argument and also providing materials for different perspectives. And then when discussing founding scientists of my discipline, I made sure that I looked for underrepresented groups that may have been silenced throughout history. Using a variety of learning activities such as group work, active learning strategies, and reflection. And then when it comes to assessments, allowing choice when possible. For example, uh, allowing students to choose the topic of a paper or presentation. Other things that you can do as faculty is asking for feedback on your course material. You know, consider having students suggest course readings uh, and then designated class time for facilitating student discussions that encourage sharing perspectives. I also like to include multiple examples and to help me generate these examples, I would ask myself, you know, would an international student understand this example? Would students from a different socioeconomic background relate to this example? And then soliciting examples from students, asking them to think of similar examples that would also illustrate this concept. It sounds like you certainly did a lot of self-introspection and data collection to get to the root of how to enhance classroom climate and embed it into your curriculum. What kind of tips can you share with faculty who are just starting this process um, and beginning to, to think about creating a climate in their classrooms? Well, Andrew, for me personally, I had to learn to be reflective first. Reflection was, was, was key for me and foremost. So in order to include diversity as a learning outcome and to make it explicit in my syllabus, I had to consider 
my own discipline's ideologies and established conventions. You know, I had to think about how students from different backgrounds might think or view knowledge in different ways than I may expect. And then I let the answers to these questions really inform my curriculum choices. Those questions are great to begin the journey of creating a positive and inclusive climate. What other questions did you have to ask yourself? Well, some other questions I had to think very deeply about were, one, uh, what are my own cultural influences and personal ways of teaching and learning? Another question is, what are my students' cultural influences and personal ways of teaching and learning? So I had to look at my own and also my students. And then how can I predict how course content might be alienating to some students. I had to think about, you know, what types of students would do well in my course and why. Were some students advantaged while others were disadvantaged? And so basically I essentially had to come to grips with ways on how I was actually going to communicate and model my commitment to diversity. And how did you do this? Well, for the last 20 years, I've been teaching first year seminar courses. And what I noticed is that I never included an inclusivity or diversity statement in my syllabus. So I had a disability statement, but not a specific inclusivity or diversity statement. And it was at that moment that a light bulb went off for me. It was imperative that I include a diversity statement on my syllabus. Why? Well, because I needed to signal to all of my students my commitment to creating an inclusive and supportive climate for all of my students. Do you have any examples for faculty as they start to develop their inclusivity and diversity statements? Yes, it was definitely a work in progress for me, but you can certainly use the heading of uh, maybe inclusivity or diversity statement in your syllabus. You could make it even more simplified by using the heading respect for diversity. And here are some samples of sentences you may want to use within your statement. It is my intent that students from all diverse backgrounds and perspectives be well served by this course that students' learning needs be addressed both in and out of class, and that the diversity that students bring to this class be viewed as a resource, strength, and benefit. Another sentence you can include is, please let me know ways to improve the effectiveness of the course for you personally or for other students or student groups. In addition, if any of our class meetings conflict with your religious events, please let me know so that we can make arrangements for you. And so as you can see, just from these two examples I just mentioned that the diversity statement should be personal for the faculty member and should resonate really for any student reading it. And you know, when you're creating your own diversity statement for your syllabus, here are some questions to consider because you certainly wanna make it personal. So how do you concretely recognize and value diversity in your classroom? It's thinking deeply about, you know, do you have systems in place to ensure that everyone's voice is gonna be heard? Do you use a variety of examples to illustrate concepts? Do you have guidelines for respectful discussions? 
Another question to think about as you're de uh, developing these statements is how can diversity as represented in your discipline, course content and classroom, how can diversity be an asset for learning? Another question is how will issues related to diversity arise in your course or classroom? And then how will you handle them when they do? For instance, you know, does your discipline or course content explicitly or implicitly raise sensitive or controversial topics related to diversity and inclusion? How might students from different social and cultural backgrounds respond to disciplinary norms? Other questions, do you seek input from your students on classroom climate? You know, to what extent do they feel included and how? And what relevant resources exist on campus that could be useful to your students that you could actually include in your syllabus as well? Wow, we have so much to reflect on regarding climate and how it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Today, you not only shared with us the importance of climate, but practical ways to immediately embed in your curriculum to ensure the college classroom is welcoming, welcoming and inclusive. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you will join us next time as we talk about the third C of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that is conversation. Until next time, I am Lashana Stokes.